That's kind of cool, though. <laughs> like, they could be, like, the, the intro. I was trying to come up with a good, uh... <coughs> Fuck. I was trying to come up with a... <laughs> <laughs> so strong oh that's hilarious i was like i walked away i was like yeah that's good that's perfect <laughs> well are we recording right now yeah i think i'm that's i kind of just don't tell people when i record and start it i think that's a good intro because i really yeah just gotta find the way well uh, we're, we're already off to a good start we, we know are. that so i'm very excited i uh, having my first uh as some of you may know or most of you probably not but i've gotten into bourbon recently and uh, normally I just do bourbon and coke because I'm basic. But uh, he has um, introduced a drink called an old fashioned to me, which is uh, bourbon, s- sugar, which we use simple syrup instead. Uh, right? Yep. And then uh, the, the tartars or uh, bitters. Bitters. That's it. And then a little dash a of little, water. A little there. dash of water, which we still don't know what exactly that means, but. Yeah. The exact measurement of a dash of water, but <laughs> if anybody could give us some direction on what a dash is. <laughs> but you know. cool thing, I mean we've talked a lot like when we were just having lunch like about like the expectations of, of how we kinda wanted this to go and we really didn't come up with anything good. Uh, <laughs> but um one cool thing I did not mention because I I wanted to mention it here first is uh when I first started the podcast, um, I did like a lot of research on, you know, how to start blah blahdy. And one cool statistic that I came up with, or that I came across rather, was, um, you know, podcasts are kind of like the new thing. Everyone has one. It's you know, uh, but um, like it was statistic was ninety or eighty percent of podcasts don't make it to episode thirteen, and that's kind of how like the deciding factor if it is going to kind of continue or not. And this is actually episode thirteen, which is pretty dope. Oh man, (laughs) I feel honored to be part of. History here is number 13. Number 13. Lucky number 13. And then, you know, look out for 14. Yeah. Can't stop here. Cannot stop. Came too far. This is the first milestone. This is. But, so, kind of like I was saying over lunch, most of these are like, uh, you know, have people who actually do do stuff in the military, um, unlike ourselves. Uh, <laughs> who um you know who who have most of them were uh, Iraq or uh, Afghanistan combat veterans, um and the podcast just kind of happened to become that. But when I started it, my full intention was not it to be that, right? The idea behind the midwatch, as you know, is uh it's the watch in the middle of the night, right? From like twenty two hundred to two, or from balls to four, depending on the ship, oh, yeah. um where pretty much nothing is accomplished, and it's just a bunch of we talk about anything under the sun. So that was the idea behind the podcast. So I'm kind of excited to maybe kick episode 13 off and kind of do it the way that I wanted the podcast to originally be. So so I guess we can start by introducing yourself um, and then just kind of take it from there. All right. Well, uh, we talked about this before. And for those of you that don't know, I've been uh, I've been bugging Tom to let me do a podcast. <laughs> And I think he thought I was joking for the longest time. But, uh, you know, I really like what you're doing. It's pretty cool. And I've listened to a couple of the podcasts already from the interviews that you have. And uh, they're a lot of fun and very interesting to listen to because you, you know, you get to hear from those people that you hear about and uh, hear some, hear their story, which is awesome. 
my story. So my name is Brandon Troutman. Uh, I'm a fire controlman, Aegis, first class, and uh, been in the Navy now for about nine years. Nine years will be in June. I'll hit that nine-year mark. And a little backdrop with different commands I've been at. So uh, my first command was USS Roosevelt DDG-80. I spent a long five years there. That's uh, one of the joys of uh, fire controlman Aegis sea uh, rotations. So you get a nice long five years. But uh, after that, I couldn't get enough of being at sea and took orders to go to DDG-117, Paul Ignatius. And, uh, of course, that's where I stumbled into you. <laughs> As we both serve there now, and just to just to cut you off for a second, just to put that in the context for like non-military listeners, <clears throat> the way that your career normally the the normal path in the military is you kind of you go to boot camp, you go to your school to learn your job, and then most time you go to your first ship, like you said, was the Roosevelt for you. But normally after that, uh, the Navy's generous and, and kind of gives you something called a shore duty, um, where you kind of get three years based on your job. Normally it's three years where you kind of do something where you're not on a ship not deployable kind of like a break and that's something that you kind of gave up to to do to come back to another ship so he, he kind of gave up his shore duty time and, and he's doing back-to-back sea tours which is uh kind of a rare thing and and pretty pretty cool yeah thank you I, you know i kind of left that part out and <laughs> you know a lot of people they look at me crazy when i tell them that i went back-to-back uh sea duty and um for me, I, I just had different reasons, you know. A lot of the Navy, as I'm sure most of the listeners know, um, is different for a lot of people. And depending on what you have going on in your life, dictates usually where you're going to be stationed at or where you aim to be stationed at. Uh, for me, I was a young 27, strapping 27 years old. And uh, I was looking to go to uh, one of my choices for shore duty was Dahlgren, Virginia, to be a fire controlman instructor and uh, it's a three-year tour but uh, if anybody's familiar with the northern Virginia area um, it's very rural and uh, just wasn't a place where I wanted to be for three years at 27 years old Uh, just with my own goals and aspirations of settling down and starting a family just wasn't where I wanted to be so uh, decided to pick up another sea duty and uh, with that, I was guaranteed to go back to Mayport, uh, Mayport, Florida, which is um, right next to Jacksonville, Florida, for those that don't know. And uh, that's where I hope to, you know, continue to follow my aspirations and goals in life. So pretty excited about that. All right. So um, one thing I, li- I like to most time when I start interviews, um, which, again, I really don't want this to kind of be an interview. But one question I will ask is, um. Normally, I always have, like, my guests start off in high school. Um, I, I kind of have their stories start off there. So, uh, if me and you, we're both sophomores in high school right now, and I'm sitting next to you in math class, who is Brandon Drowman? Oh, that's really interesting. I like that. <laughs> All right. Let's 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 take it back a little bit. Uh, so, Brandon Troutman in high school had his uh, heart set on uh, playing pro football. And uh, at this time, I was on the varsity football team. Uh, I played varsity for two years and um, was looking to get a scholarship to go play college football. Uh, I was very naive of the process of 
getting a scholarship and getting into college. Um, so I didn't apply to colleges. And uh, at the end of my senior football season, um, I didn't get any of the scholarships that I was hoping for. Uh, probably because I wasn't that good. <laughs> uh, I made it to the our district all-star game. Um, I was a running back. And I made it to the all-star game, played an all-star game, did pretty well. But still, the, the scholarships didn't roll in. Um, so after that, uh, I moved to my dad's house in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, let me take a step back. I went to college or high school in Merritt Island, Florida, uh, right next to Cape Canaveral. It's about two hours south of Jacksonville. So uh, that summer, 2008, I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and went to a community college for a year. And uh, I was supposed to transfer to a university, and my goal was to walk on to play college football at uh, University of West Georgia. Um, I didn't have a lot of patience uh, being 18 years old. I'm sure you guys can relate to that. Uh, time, a, a month, felt like an eternity back then, as now, a month, you know, flies by. You know, I feel like I wake up, go to sleep, wake up, and a month has flown by. So didn't have any patience. And uh, two of my buddies, my close friends, joined the military. And I came from a military family. My dad, he was in the Navy for 20 years, and my mom was in the Navy for four years. So that's always been my backup plan. And uh, I was growing impatient in Georgia. Uh, Football thing wasn't working out. I saw my buddies, they were making money, and they were already in the military, having a good time traveling the world. So um, I walked into the room one day, and I, I told my parents, I'm going to join the Navy. And uh, the rest is kind of history. Um, went to the recruiting office the very next day, uh, got the whole MEPS process started, and uh, selected the advanced electronics computer field. That's the 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 rate I went into and eventually led up to me getting my, the job that I have. So did you, did you finish any college? Like, or was that like in the middle of your first semester that you decided to do that or? I did. Um, I finished one year of college at, at the community college. I went to Georgia military college and I, I basically just got my, um, first year, uh, the mandatory courses, your English, yeah, college algebra, things like that, and um, left that summer. So that was all the college I got. So um, so you're still like 18, right? You're young? When I went to MEPS, I was 19. 19. But yeah, very young still. So um, I guess tell me a little about the uh, your boot camp experience. Was it, uh, you know, every, did your, since your father was military, did he kind of warn you some things, how it was going to go, or... Was you like, you know, it's you're your own man, you figure it out, or how, how was how was that? So I kind of left off with uh, telling my dad I was going into the Navy, and he was probably my number one supporter. Uh, after retiring Navy 20 years, uh, you know, it was still instilled in him the the benefits of being in the military. And funny story, so I think the last month I went to go. Uh, visit my dad because I was in Florida at the time and he kind of gave me the rundown of everything I was to expect in boot camp um, he told me you know 
you're going to respond with yes, petty officer, no petty officer. And the whole boot camp thing is just to see if I can follow instructions. Uh, my dad was very militant, so I've been following instructions for 19 years. But uh, one of the things that stick, sticks in my head was he taught me how to put 45-degree uh, angles in the bed sheets. <laughs> and uh, an impatient 19-year-old, he took me upstairs and literally broke it down for me on how to put 45-degree angles into the bed on his own bed. And uh, they were perfect, too, pristine. And I took that with me to boot camp, um, and it helped out. When I got to boot camp, um, I was following instructions, doing everything real well, and folded everything, you know, what I thought was near perfect, you know, as best as I could, and which led to me being one of the selected section leaders for uh, Division 937, <laughs> <laughs> which was funny, and, uh, you know, I was very thankful my dad, you know, took the time to just show me those little things. So the boot camp process after that was... Uh, Pretty, uh, pretty simple, uh, kind of the same that everybody else goes through. I, don't, I didn't have too many stories that stuck out in boot camp. Um, but one thing I do want people to know that's different, so I went into the advanced electronics computer field. And so going into the, the Navy, I still didn't know exactly what my job was going to be. So that, that field is uh, a group of ETs and FCs. So the ET is the electronics technicians, and then the FCs are the fire controlmen. And today, they've actually divided the fire controlman rating and added fire controlman ages, which I am. So I didn't know if I was going to be one of the three in boot camp. Um, it wasn't until about three weeks in when we had computer access, I was able to look at my orders, and at the very bottom, it told me that I was going to be a fire controlman, which was cool. So uh, after so you actually, those, your rate actually got, got chosen boot camp. And yep. that, uh, okay. So like uh, we've talked about that before, kind of how I went to the similar thing. Mine was called, um, what, 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 what's the abbreviation of yours? A, A E C F. All right. So mine was S E C F, which was submarine electronic computer field. I think. Yes. Yeah, Same kind of thing where it's, we had, um, it was the radio men, the navs, uh, the FTs, which is essentially an FC on a sub, and then the uh, sonar techs. But we didn't. Uh, we did boot camp, then we went to sub school, which is the first school in the submarine pipeline. And then at the end of sub school is when you find out what rate you were. So I, I thought it was kind of similar for you. So we had no idea all through boot camp, and then our sub school is three months long. So we didn't even know for that either until oh wow after sub school. Like the day you graduate, you get told your rate, and then that kind of dictates the pipeline you take after sub school. Okay. Because I think the I, the thought process behind that is, if you don't graduate sub school, you're not going to be a submariner anyways. So like maybe it's like a a money thing or something. They don't want to pay for the school, pay for you to go to school until they figure out that maybe you can be on subs. I'm assuming because everything's about money. Right. I'm assuming oh, yeah, that's, definitely. That's probably what it is. But I I thought yours was similar to that. I didn't realize that you actually got your rate in boot camp. And submariners have uh, – it's tougher to qualify to be a sub submariner. Am I saying that right? Yeah, submariner. Yeah. Submariner. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, yeah, we found out. And I'm not sure if I was supposed to be looking at that, <laughs> you know. 
uh, word of mouth got around. There was like 15 AECF uh, personnel in my boot camp division. And uh, a lot of us actually went on to A school and C school together, which was really cool. So I uh, just want to keep talking about the pipeline. With Once I found out I was an FC, I knew I was going to be staying in Great Lakes. And we graduated boot camp on, I want to say, a Saturday. And that Sunday, I actually got my Liberty weekend cut short. That Sunday, I got on a bus, and they drove us across the street to where A school would start at, which was nice. A lot of other people went to um, Pensacola or depending on your job, where you Aviation is normally a big, a big chunk, so they all go down to Pensacola. And Picola, good place. We went there, actually. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, got situated over there at uh, TSC, Training Support Center, Great Lakes. And we go through, uh, our pipeline is split up. The first school you go to is going to be uh, ATT, so Apprentice Technical Training. And basically, that was basic electronics and the theory of electronics which was nine weeks long. So I went through ATT, and then after that, we got to go to uh, our A school. And that's where we learned radar principles, radar theory, and got to work on one small, the SPA-25 radar. And at that point, I still didn't know what type of FC I was going to be. We we weren't going to find that out until we graduated from A school. And they kind of, they give you a dream sheet, um, for those of you that don't know what a dream sheet is, it's what you think is your way of telling the Navy what you want to be. And a lot of things are about money and what's available at the time. A lot of things are about timing. So your dream sheet, you, you don't always get your first choice. Uh, on my dream sheet, I was able to select uh, three different types of FC that I wanted to be. There was Tomahawk. There was SeaWiz, there was Aegis, which I had no idea what that even was at the time, and like Sea Sparrow and um, Mark 160, which is a large gun on the front of the ships. So I put at the top of my list, I think I wanted to be a Tomahawk guy first. Um, kind of embarrassed to say that they, there's a, a rivalry at work that – you know, I'd be embarrassed to talk about. <laughs> so that was actually one of my first choices. And then my second choice was SeaWiz. Third choice was Aegis. It's cool. So, again, to kind of put that into context, um, for people who, you know, again, a lot of listeners actually aren't in the military. Um, so FCMAN is, is obviously a rate. And then, but it's kind of an they deal with all kind of like weapons, right? But obviously the military has a bunch of different kind of weapons. So what the Navy does to kind of, to, um, to have people specialize in each one of those weapons, uh, they go to something called a C school and then that C school will determine. So again, if you're going to be a Tomahawk tech, you're pretty much only going to be dealing with Tomahawks. So therefore you'll go to the Tomahawk C school and then that's all you're really going to deal with out in the fleet and then so on and so forth. It's kind of one of those schools for each kind of weapon, right? Am I exactly? Yeah. Yep. And that's what the dream sheet was for um, my choice in what C-School I wanted to go to. 
and then I could specialize in that weapon system. So, so you hit it on the head there. Um, a school was 12 weeks long. So I went through ATT for nine weeks and then uh, FCA school for 12 weeks. And then um, I finally got my orders through uh, through the Internet, the, the process they have for orders. Uh, forgive me for I don't know what the name of that is. CMSID. CMSID. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Coming in strong with the... <laughs> With the facts, <laughs> the uh, so funny story. Uh, my same friends from boot camp. We were all in the car, and I think we were on base in Great Lakes, going through the McDonald's drive-through. And one of my friends, he was flipping through his phone. Um, phones weren't we weren't always on them like we are now, but we still always had them on us. And uh, he's like, "Oh man, I, my orders are in." You know, real exciting moment because for this whole process, I I say it's school was 12 weeks and then ATT was nine weeks, but there was gaps in between. So this whole process took uh, close to a year before I found out what type of FC I was going to be. So we were real excited. Um, he said his orders were in, and he said that he was going to be an Aegis FC going to Dahlgren, Virginia for – I think it was like 326 days or something like that Damn. of schooling. <laughs> yeah, very long time. That's actually the longest one out of uh, all fire controlman C schools. And um, so, of course, I jumped on my phone and checked. And the first thing I saw was 326 days, uh, fire controlman, um, Aegis. I was going to be a uh, ACNT, Aegis Computer Network Technician. So... That day I found out I was moving to Dahlgren, Virginia and was going to do my C school for another year. <laughs> so there's different, there's, within FCA, there's still more NECs within that rate? Yes. Oh, wow. Yep, there is. So within that rate, you have the one that I was selected for, which was Aegis Computer Network Technician. Uh, we deal with, Aegis is a, a large uh missile system if you will and so what we deal with is the mainframe computer side uh we deal with the networking and things like that how different pieces of equipment talk to each other um uh, there's three sides the other side is uh a spy operator um this isn't like a, a russian spy or anything <laughs> like that uh what spy is is our it's a a radar so they work on the radar and its internals. And then the last part is uh, FCS. And what they do is uh, they deal with the uh, the illuminators and it's part of the missile flight. And then they also deal with 400 hertz power. So taking 60 hertz power, um, upscaling it to 400 hertz, which is cleaner, more power. So did it actually end up being like a full year for for C school? Was it really like three hundred and? You know, sometimes like the orders are not always written correctly; they got to be modified. Was, is that really how long C school was? Um, no, it wasn't really that long. Okay. <laughs> it uh, it turned out to be longer. Oh, <laughs> so <laughs> got you there. On top of that, so that original school was the three hundred twenty-six days, and then I actually had a follow-on school for 
two months for uh, another piece of equipment. So I was in Dahlgren, Virginia for 13 months. Jesus. And at this point, yeah, I've been in the Navy for, let's see, at the end of that school, I had been in the Navy for uh, two and a half years almost. Before you go to your first ship. Before I even step foot on a ship and do what I signed up for. <laughs> two and a half years, man. Did you have to sign, how long was, I'm assuming you had to sign an extension when you stepped in, right? How long was your extension? Uh, my extension was two years for schooling. Ah, okay. So I actually dipped into my initial contract, which was uh, the four years, right? which kind of you know works in your favor if you only signed a two-year school, went to school for two and a half years. Does that makes sense? Yeah. And originally, all together, at 19 years old, I signed up to do six years, which I thought was going to be an eternity. <laughs> but it went by quick. Yeah, see, they, they only made us sign a... Uh a one year, so we had a five year contract going in, and then as a radioman, similar to you, we were the longest pipeline out of the four rates. But I was only in school for like fifteen oh, months, cool. so I went like three months over my uh, the extension. So, but I kind of right. I kind of got screwed going back to Dream Sheets because um, that seems like a common fa- a phrase in the Navy. Is I got screwed, but <laughs> yeah, you hear that all the time. <laughs> um, they should write a book about it. We were, uh, right, since so since my A school was super long, obviously you can bring your dependent with you. Um, cause again, I came in married. So, uh, but when we graduated A school, uh, it was right around the time the shutdown happened in like 12 or 13, whatever year that was. And the uh, detailer was like, if you're married, you're staying in Groton. So my dream sheet was, oh, man. my dream sheet was, uh, I put Kings Bay, Georgia, Bangor, Washington, because I wanted to be on a an Ohio class submarine. Those are the only two bases that have the Tridents. Um, and then my third one, I put San Diego, and uh, I got stuck in Groton. So you just tell the truth, yeah, because my wife was there already. So they're like, if your family's here already, we're not paying to move you guys. So he's like, all the single guys, single guys get to go. And literally, I had like six married guys in my class, six, or sh- five or six, and we were the only six to stay in Groton. Everyone else like went other places. Wow. <laughs> we had yeah. a lot. We had a lot of Hawaii guys actually. I we probably because our A school was only twenty four people, and we probably had like eight or nine kids that got Hawaii. Hawaii was like the biggest. You know, it always seems like one base is like big out of every class. Hawaii right. was like our, like the base that a lot of people went to. That's but yeah, I got orders. screwed over and got stuck in Groton, which looking back, it wasn't that bad. It's kind of nice there, mm-hmm. but. Um, I was gonna, I would ask you what your favorite duty station was, but I mean you really only been to Mayport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, I guess Virginia too, but no. um, part of the Mayport Mafia, I believe. So you guys don't go. To, I thought you guys went to Damnick. Is that not you guys at all, or is that no Damnick would be? Um, it's like GMs and stuff, right? There's fire controlmen there as well. So uh, the Tomahawk guys go down there for a little bit, and then the Sea Wiz guys, and then the Mark One Sixty guys. Go down there. So pretty much the rest of the fire controlmen go down there. If you're not ages, gotcha. Because when I when we were in Norfolk, I um, I uh, mean Minnick, because Minnick was a uh, recruiter before he was on our ship, oh, and okay. he actually met up. We met up with one of the guys that he recruited in, and he was an FC, and he was in Dan. And he was in Dan. Yeah, we like went out to like dinner or whatever. But 
it was one of the guys that he recruited in like two years ago or a year ago, whatever the whatever the time span was. But, oh, look at that! But yeah, it was pretty cool. But I, I remember him being an FC. That's why I was because I was confused why he went to Damn Neck. So but, he must have he must have been a good recruiter. <laughs> if his recruit came back to see him, that, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't true. always happen. I remember my recruiter. She uh, I had a female recruiter, and she hated it. She had a uh, she actually wanted to do like what you were doing. She wanted to go back to back. She was an aviation. Something. Bolson handler I, th- I think she was like an ABE, um, and she was on a carrier, and she wanted to extend or, or go to another ship. She was like telling me this when I, uh, we were at actually I went to her, with her to like a high school. You know, like sometimes you get like tag along yeah. with them, and uh, cool. on the drive there, she was kind of telling me like this story, and uh, her like detail like wouldn't let her stay on CD. She like made her like, but I guess this is like around the time where like we were downsizing and stuff, like 2012. So I'm assuming maybe that has something to do with it. But uh, she had a countdown oh, wow. on her desk of how many days of recruiting she had left. Wow. She hated it. So I got pretty – I was pretty lucky. I mean, I, I came from like a military family too, so I kind of knew, you know, I wasn't like naive going into it. But like, you know, obviously the common theme is recruiters always lie to you. But yep. she was like – Every time. She was like Sweet. very, very upfront. Like she just – she told me the truth and everything, which was pretty cool. Um, I, th- I can't remember her name. I actually – I was going through my emails yesterday. This is a true story, actually. It's funny that we're talking about this. And um, I was deleting some stuff, and I came across the email. So after boot camp, I went back and did a uh, rap duty where, yeah. you, where you go and do, like, the you get the free Help five recruit. days of leave. Yeah. I went to one debt meeting, and I got free five days of leave. That was the <laughs> Sweet. Um, Look into it. I remember it. But uh, it was the email of the rap duty thing that she sent me to give to my admin to get, like, my five days of leave back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Looking out for you still. <laughs> yeah. That's what well, cool. it was the email from like back then I'm saying like I still had it it was like still in my inbox from like six years ago wow <laughs> <laughs> you need to clean your email yeah I know <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was just pretty fun I think I want to say your name was Rod uh not Rodriguez Gomez Gomez ABE1 Gomez what's your name uh, what is that Italian <laughs> yep it's, it's actually <laughs> Irish descent <laughs> just like Rodriguez is Irish <laughs> uh that's really cool. I remember my recruit uh recruiting process too. Uh I had a, a BM two BM two Willie was his name and uh Willie. Like the f- like first name Willie? Yeah. Oh, like wow. first name. Kinda strange. And um good guy though. You know. Uh, you hear a lot about the the bad stories for people trying to get into the Navy. But my recruiter he was he was honest and uh upfront about everything in the Navy. Uh the questions that I had anyways course if you go in there with the tougher questions and you know you're more specific with what you want to do mm-hmm. um then of course it may not work out for you but yeah i think it's just a myth that recruiters lie uh they're decent people i think <laughs> <laughs> i um so i i originally depth in in 2010 and uh i my original ship date it was 2009. My original ship date was March 2010, March 20th, 2010. I'll, I'll never forget that date. And in like January, I was like two months out. <clears throat> and uh, I depth discharged myself because uh, I was doing the DJing thing. I just like locked down a gig with like uh, to do Club Karma, which is where they filmed Jersey Shore and all that. So I thought I was going to cool. be like a rock star. Um, so I, for some reason, I depth discharged myself. And then. I was like, uh, I like just stopped going to community college and I took my ASVAD and I got like a terrible score. I forgot like what I got. What'd you get? 
It was in the 50s. I know that for a fact. Okay. It was terrible. Um, it's not too bad. Well, I, I guess not too bad, but... Um, so uh, my first contract was AO, supposed to be an aviation ordinance man. And then when I came back in 2011, 2012, 2012, it was like, uh, I think your ASVAD score is only good for like 18 months or something. Mm-hmm. And I came back like three days later after that 18 month mark. And so I had to retake it. Um, and then they were still hesitant because the recruiting office chief was still the same chief from when I dip discharge myself. Oh, so he probably didn't so he's like, he's like, I really got my ass handed to me. Like when you dip discharge, cause I guess, you know, that affects like their numbers and all that. And right. he, he almost didn't let me like come back. And, um, cause he didn't want me to scream over again, which I mean, rightfully so. You know what I mean? Right. But, uh, you know, I, after talking and, con- and I convinced him, I was a lot m- in that year and a half. I like matured a lot more. I got married, stuff like that. So I was like, you know, like this is what, you know, I want to do this. You know what I mean? I, I wouldn't have come back if I didn't want to. Um, if this wasn't what I really wanted to do. So I had to go retake the ASVAD, pretty much start the whole process over again. Yeah. And uh, when we went to MEPS that day, the computers were down. So we had to take the handwritten ASVAD, like the, uh, what do you call it? in the block, uh, uh, high school kind of. The Scantron, like the little circle, kind of like how we take our advancement exams, same thing. And um, I got like an 80 or a 70, no, in 87 I got I like which which was weird because I was like you know I didn't go to like the first time I took it I was fresh out of college like thought I would have had an advantage you know what I mean and this I was like two years out of college like haven't done anything academically like at all and I got like almost like 30 points higher which was the randomest thing and then that's how I got you know they offered me uh I wanted to be in IT uh I talked to like my some family members who were in the Navy and you know they're like go IT go IT um it wasn't available so they offered me uh, SECF, which was the submarine. Um, they offered me religious person, and they were off- offered me this C- the the uh, the CB rate that like drives the machines. I forget which. I think EO equipment operator. Oh okay. So my recruiter was like, "Oh yeah, take submarines." I'm assuming because he probably got like a a bonus for that or something because he like he, oh, or, right, or she right. answered like way too quickly. Uh, so that's how that's how I got the subs. The bells start going off. Yeah. <laughs> we have a winner. <laughs> so that was my recruiting uh my recruiting story. But um It's a real good story. D I'm glad they let you back in. Yeah. Um Me too. Yeah, I know a lot of times they don't I mean my back my backup plan was to just go to like another recruiting station like i didn't know if they were like intertwined at all or if like i had like oh, a yeah. record or something <laughs> you know what i mean like i don't <laughs> know how that like really works yeah, like, stay away from this guy but some like some stuff in my NSIPs, the date is the first date yeah which is pretty funny like what i forget which award it is but one of my awards like the eligibility date but it was like uh i think it's actually my um the one you get in boot camp the uh national defense ribbon I think like the elig- eligibility date for that, it, it's March 2010. Like you know, you have eligibility date and the verified date. Right. It, it's like my first, but I I never went. <laughs> oh man, that's. <laughs> they probably pulled out the same file they had. I, I I still have all that stuff in my LME binder. I have my original AO contract. I have everything. I saved all of it. Wow. I have the. It's uh, tough with all the moves in the Navy. The thing that you sign. The uh, like thumbprint things, you know, I did everything with your thumbprint. Oh, I yeah, have, I have like all that stuff still. I think I have that right here, too. All right, there you yeah. go, it's pristine. I don't know how it stayed so nice over these years. 
Coming in married, I had to do. Oh, yeah, there you had the thumbprints. Yep, yep, with your little picture. Yep. Yeah. They made me do like a whole like financial thing, and it's probably similar to like the stuff you have to do when you go overseas. But I had to do like so much. I had to give them like my bank account, like uh, balances, like all kinds of stuff. Yep. I guess they to see like if the you know E1 pay would cover my bills or whatever. I'm assuming that's like why they did it. But I had to fill like so much like financial shit. You guys, you guys receive a security clearance, right? With uh, well, well. It wasn't part of the SF eighty six. We did that in sub school. Oh, okay. Um, I had, to but do that it. was a pain in the. And and my mother in law is an immigrant, which even like she's an immigrant from Sweden, which was like, I had to get like more paperwork. Oh my god, so much crap. Like prove that, like she didn't own property overseas because her she's the only one from her family that's here. Like all of her sisters, her mom, everyone's still over there in Sweden. Oh wow. So we had to like prove like we had no like affiliation to like Swedish military, like all kinds of shit. Yeah, wow, that's a long <laughs> yeah. process. Yeah, my imagine being uh, it took like 15 months for my clearance to go through. It pretty much took the entire the entire time of me in school. It took for me to do my like for my clearance to go through. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, I ran a thorough back background check on you. I that's had a good thing. I had so many people call me, and I'm sure because you have to, you guys have to do the same the same yeah the one, same right? process. Yeah. Um, Get questioned about you. You know how you have to like put down like all like your three references for like every address you put, and then you can't put the same reference. Yeah. So like I had people that like I really didn't talk to that like I just had to like put down, and like they'd call me and they're like like Tom, what the hell did you do? They're like some like federal agent just called me. They're like like like, <laughs> <laughs> they, like they thought like I was in trouble, and I was like no, it's it's just for my job. <laughs> oh man, you should have let them on a little bit. <laughs> did you? You didn't tell them anything, did you? <laughs> no, I told them everything about you. I could see how how somebody would be freaked out real yeah. fast, especially because like I literally put down people from like high school, like I like didn't like talk to you know what I mean or like stuff like that. Yeah. And then I remember um, <clears throat> when we were doing the set down portion of it with the person that like screens your package, um, the way they did it is they actually pulled you out of class one by one, and mine was like three hours long. It was rough, um, but I didn't put down when I was first born. We like lived at like. Uh, I forget the address, but we lived at a house, and then like we moved, and I was like a year and a half old, and like yeah. I like I didn't put that address down, and like she like questioned me on that. Oh wow! Yeah, she's like, why didn't you put down that address? Like even with like tickets, like with like my, I had like a seatbelt ticket, and she's like, you know, like uh, like why were like why didn't you book your seatbelt? Like were you in a rush? Were you trying to get away from someone? Like every single like that's how like that they questioned me. I'll never forget. That's awesome. And it was a female, so it was like super intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> That would um, be pretty cool. But I was like, I was like, I was like, I was, I'm a year and a half old. Like, what? Like, yeah, I was running a drug operation out of my basement <laughs> when I was in diapers. You caught, you caught me. <laughs> that was hard too, because I had to do the same thing, and I think I've moved probably eight times. Yeah, being by a mil- time military. I was, yeah. yeah, being a military brat, and you know, uh, divorced parents bouncing back and forth. Uh, the packet was itself probably forty pages long, and then you, you know, doing an p- appendix. <laughs> add all the places that I lived. You right. know. Forgive me, I might have forgot one or two. Yeah, they do that. Like all your jobs, it's crazy. Some of this, like the stuff that they ask you. It's good when, to know that they do that, though. When I was on Limdu, when I was changing, you know, when I got hurt and I was changing rates in that process, I worked in the security office at like the uh, at NSSC in Groton, which is like the uh, support group for all the subs down there, mm. and. um 
the office I worked in, we were in charge of tracking all the security clearances of 27 or 22 submarines on the waterfront. So I was actually in charge of screening the SF-86s before we sent it up to, you know, like uh, OPM and all them. So, like, oh, wow. having to screen that thing is it's rough. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of boats. <laughs> but, well, let's, uh, let's kind of change paths here. Like I said, I kind of kind of want to get away from, like, story time and just kind of just BS. So what's uh, what's some things going on in the Navy that you want to talk about? Or <laughs> oh, I mean, if you want, or or anything, honestly. I mean, if you want to punch it in the face, let's do uh, it. You know, the, there's a lot of a lot of things going on in the military, and uh, this is just very opinionated. Um, there's no right and wrong answer here, but um, you know. Things change faster than the the sailors change in the Navy. And what I mean by that is, you know, a new instruction can come out about, let's say, uh, transgenders. Uh, New instruction can come out about, um, I'm sure back when the don't ask, don't tell was a thing. Mm -hmm. You know, one day you're following this rule and then the next day it's, legal now you know it's fine and uh i have no problem with that stuff at all you know i'm very open and i believe everybody has their rights and should you know be comfortable in their own skin but uh uh it catches you off guard sometimes so you know today we were at uh one of the stores here we were at the next and uh i was looking around and we we were going to check out and there was a a woman there in uniform and my initial thought was wow she's very tall i didn't think anything of it um went continued checking out and i looked back she came up uh the register across from me and i looked at her again and i was like man she's extremely tall and she had really large hands uh looked like a woman and then uh this woman was wearing her id badge on her neck and it had her military ID on it. And in that military ID was a man. And you know, it just caught me off guard. Um, I haven't had to deal with that too much in the Navy. Uh, There was one other instance, um, one other time that that has happened in the Navy. But uh, it, it, it drew a red flag just for security purposes, you know. This person was uh, in uniform wearing a wig that didn't match her id um in the navy you wouldn't be allowed on base right you know you should have been stopped at uh at the front gate for that so so that's going on uh i'm interested to see what pays out um how it plays out and um i don't know if you had any thoughts on that but my biggest thing is because it seems i keep seeing like articles about it it seems like up in the pentagon it keeps going it's getting bounced like left and right about if they're like I don't know if that person was a transgender that we saw today or whatever the case may be, but my biggest thing with it is when this whole thing started, like, was a year or two ago when, like, this um, was kind of introduced, this this issue, if you will, um, was that once that first instruction finally got put out that, you know, they we can have them, they can transition while they're in the military, um, was how fast the mandatory training was 
Mm, like yeah. we like had like a, I don't know how it happened. You're probably on the ship at this time, but when I was at the clinic, like we had like a mandatory like stand down to do like the training on transgender and, and all this. It, it was like a full day of like GMTs, but again, which I have no problem in, right? It, to each his own. But right. the I feel that the military, I'm not sure the Navy. I'm gonna speak on because that's all I really know about is conforming too fast to the BS outside of the military that's going on in the country because right like literally the week after the instruction came out we had that training but when they rolled out the BRS plan and which is our new retirement system right and people in our age group we had the chance to stay with the old one or or transition to the new one but there was it was just like an NKO and that was it like there was no formal training on it and that's like or something that affects super important. It's our retirement. Like career. I would like to know like the information about the plan that I'm, I have the option of opting into. Cause that's, and even that's for everyone in the military. If you wear a uniform, that's pretty important to you. Right. And it was, it, it was nothing, no training, no nothing. And that's the issue I have with that. It's just how it, it kind of gets pushed to the forefront, shoved in our faces, opposed to other stuff. That's, just just as important if not more important like our career and our retirement of new stuff getting rolled out that we're not getting training on or like even with the rate thing when they like that one that we switched our rates for like a month or like not even that long when we were getting rid of uh or um it was the The rates right it was like they changed like numbers right instead of fca1 i was just po1 yeah like for two months i think it was yeah like with that like no formal training no like i didn't even get told what i was mine was i was like l l zero like two eight was like what corman became like that oh. was like our like that's our, right because the designator everybody was called petty officers right yeah based off of uh their rank mm-hmm. but then each rate, rate switch had a number different. yeah to what number it was I remember that. I, I couldn't even tell you what my number was. Exactly. And, <laughs> you know, I can remember that you're an HM, mm-hmm. but uh, there's no way I'd be able to remember what right. number you were. And I don't know if they're like, – because, do- I mean, the w- what they said the reason was was to make us more diverse and cross the – what do you call it? Um, like cross-trained cross and, and, like, different things. But Yeah, and they, they kept that initiative. I think they're going to um, offer uh, – different jobs for different ratings uh, that are close. They're similar to each other. So they just kind of tweaked it a little bit. Right. But the, but the thing is, like you said, it's just one day it's not. And the next day it is, but that's like, that's like a massive change. And then you don't even tell us like what we are. Right. (laughs) Right. And you know, I wish, I wish more people thought about that, you know, outside of the military. Um, and I'm not asking for you guys to feel bad for us anyway, but you know, Perspective is everything. You have to understand uh, it takes time to make these changes, and it takes time for people to get used to that, uh, whatever change that may be, whether it's rates or genders. But not even that. There's just a lot of heritage in it. You know what I mean? Like, there's, that, not, that many, there, there's not many things yeah. that are left sacred in this culture here in America, right? Like, But tradition some tradition is what we have. I mean, we can't even say Merry Christmas anymore. It's happy holidays. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing sacred anymore, but our rate heritage, especially certain rates like GM stuff like that, that's been around since the Navy, right? Was it the original seven rates or five rates? 
I believe so, yeah. I think you're right there. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think it's the original seven. It's whatever rates are on the Constitution. It's like GM, BM, QM, YN, whatever it is, right? Rates that have been around since 1775. Like, we're just going to throw away that 200 and some odd years of heritage just yeah. to appease to what not not even what's going on in the military because i don't i don't care what anyone says it's the the issue was that everything ends in man yo man right and that that was the issue and then we're just going to conform that's not the the military is military because we have standards exactly and we don't conform to the standards but now we seem to be doing that more and more which is aggravating but yeah i agree with you (laughs) i stand frustrated with you on (laughs) on that part uh we're we're not corporate America Mm-mm. by any means. Nope. Corporate America doesn't have a 30% of the country. Or hell, how am I? I'm not saying that right. Right? Was it 30, 30% of the country are, is only qualified to join the military? And then, but, yeah, but 100% of the country can go work in corporate America because the standards just aren't there that we have in the military. So we should uphold those because that's a pretty significant number. It is. <laughs> that is. And so that was a good topic. It was. You know, and I only brought that up just because I, we dealt with it today. And right. by dealt with it, it was, you know, first time seeing it. Did they, so. um on your first boat, did they do things, <coughs> I guess, uh, so you guys had like squadron, right? In the service, like their squadron. And then is there any other support command underneath squadron? Because the way like it wasn't Groton is there was like squadron, and then there was NSSC, which was like the support command to the ships. Like, what would the equivalent of that be on the surface? Or is there one? There is one, and we'd probably have to talk back and forth to see if it was the same thing. Uh, there is a CSCS. Uh, and what they do is they help to train the waterfront. Okay. And I don't think they deal with... Where, where did all like the supplies and stuff come from? The supply, so I'm not sure that that side of the supply chain, honestly. Okay. Um, I imagine there is one attached to each base, maybe. Because, like, so NSSC, like, they handled a lot of the supply. Like, they would be the ones to run all, like, the BSPs out to the – because we couldn't use those big, like, cargo ships that service ships can use, right? So, like, when we had to replenish, it would just be with tugboats, and they would just come out, meet us out, and then – you know, give us stuff. So, like, NSSC would kind of coordinate those. The security office was part of NSSC. But where I was getting at with that is we used to send down people to the waterfront. Um, we'd call them Zulu 5 Oscars. So it'd be, like, a chief, senior chief. Normally it'd be a khaki to set that, um, the uh, intimidation factor, right? We'd send them down, and they would try to get onto the ships with, it wouldn't, it would either, most time it'd be a real cat card, but, like, it wouldn't be theirs or, Sometimes, like, they would go as far as putting, like, Spongebob on the pitcher. And, oh, like, man. You know what I mean? He's a terrorist. And uh, to see if they can get past the watch standards. So, like. And we. Oh, okay. Yeah, we have. Um, I actually. The let, equivalent might have been. I let someone on. And I got DQ'd for, like, a week. I had to give duty section training. Oh, man. <laughs> How'd you feel? Terrible. Did, it, <laughs> did you learn from it? Oh, yeah. Of course. That's Especially because my cob. Um, Literally, my cob came on, and he was, like, halfway across the brow, right? Because the guy was behind my cob. And then and then I let him on, and he stepped into the brow, and he was like, hey, cob. And then they talked, and then they both walked back. I was like, oh, fuck. 
Oh, <laughs> and then, set you up. Yeah, they took me right off. They took me off watch like right then and there. And then he wasn't mad, but because I I had a pretty good pretty good rapport on my first ship. It was during an availability too, so we had like tons of people going back and forth, back and forth, and it's pretty easy to get complacent because there's just if you take yeah. if you take the time that you need to take to actually scan the ID card, there's gonna be a line. Like I remember one time my um. This is this is another time I got relieved from watch. <laughs> I uh, this guy's got a rap sheet. <laughs> terrible. Um, it was on the weekend, and my CO was in civilian clothes. In my defense, and my chief actually, after hearing the full story, he was not mad at me. But that's good. Um, we had a, I had a line of contractors trying to get on the boat, and we had something called the pass system, which is like kind of similar to what they have at the front gate. We okay. Had, we kind of have we had that, and uh, I had like a line of contractors. Because I was pretty strict with them because, you know, they're not in a uniform. Like, I don't know their face. You know what I mean? So I kind of – I was pretty uh, in-depth with scanning their ID cards and stuff like that even after I scanned it. But my CO just walked past the line and, like, walked onto the ship. Like, and I didn't even see him. (laughs) Oh, wow. And then all of a sudden I hear over the 1MC uh, San Juan arriving. And I'm like, what the? Because normally the petty officer deck is the one that says that. And I was like, what the? <laughs> I was like, I thought someone was like messing with me because it was like it was like a Saturday or a Sunday. It was like you know, just duty section was on board. And oh. then like a couple minutes later, I see the uh, the CDO come up, who's uh, a chief, um, and he's like freaking out on me. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know who that was. He's like, it was the fucking CO. I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like, so the CEO, like he, Dang. he, like he had to announce himself on board because I, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't. The re- CEO announced himself. Yeah, he walked, he walked past the brow, walked right past me. I didn't, oh, I didn't even see him. He walked down to his stateroom because in the stateroom he has access to the one MC, and uh, he, he, like he said, Sam Juan arriving, like on his, on his, mm. which doesn't seem maybe if you're not in the military it doesn't seem like a big deal, but that's like a humongous deal. And I, like I said, I didn't give him bells or anything. Like he just, I didn't yeah, even. That's, that's not good. I didn't even see him. You're the topic of like the next month's training. Oh yeah, but again, I my good rapport, thank God, helped me out when I would mess up like that. So I didn't get it too bad. It was more so, you know, they were messing with me in like a joking, you know, uh, joking. Um, uh, yeah, just kind of a light, lightly making fun of you, lightly. Yeah correcting you at the same time exactly but yeah i'll never those are two stories i'll never i don't even think i had my fish at the time for either of those like i was like i was pretty green oh when both those things happened man i'm trying to think if i had any any of those incidents on watch well, luckily, you guys are lucky there's like 80 of you up there yeah i was about to say luckily there's <laughs> we got some forceful backup up there so that we you know none of those things happen Oh, yeah, surface navy. <laughs> yeah, it's just us. That's <laughs> it. It's just one dude up Bigger there. Bigger duty section. You know, we got a lot more people as well help out. So that's always nice. Well, um, so with that, I mean, uh, you guys it sounded like that attached or squadron did both things. So they dealt with your supply stuff, and then they also did your training. Well, so NSS NSSC was like supply security. They would. That's where, like, all the people, um, like, the submarine version of ATG, they yeah. were all attached to NSSC. Like, the people say. that would go out and, like, ride on the, like, ride to do our, uh, um, to do, like, our inspections and all that. They yeah. were all part of NSSC. The only thing that squadron was, was that's where, like, 
it was like two enlisted yeomen, and then it was all like the deputies and commodores and all that. That's like what squadron was. NSSC is where a lot of this stuff happened. And then we had NSS, NSSF, which is Naval Support, um, Naval Submarine Support Facility, and that's where all the shops were. Like when you'd have to do like jobs right. off the boat and all that. That's where all like the, um, you know, the sail shop, the antenna shop, like that's where all of those. They fix all the gear. The cow shop, like all that was NSSF. Okay. So, and then the training part of it, like where we'd go do all of our trainers and all that, was actually up at the schoolhouse. So we were we'd be like right next to like where they did A school and all that. That was that actually ran all the trainers for the ships as well. Wow. Since sub school was there, it kind of made sense because all the tr- the uh, trainers and everything were there already. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. It sounds like uh, they're different. They're gonna be yeah, it's very different. Some stark differences there. Yeah, but uh, probably just dependent upon you know closeness and missions and jazz like that. Right. So, in spirit of the uh, the name of the podcast, the Midwatch, what are do you have any good stories from being on the Midwatch? From being on the Midwatch, what do you mean by good stories? So, like, well, just anything, <laughs> any funny stories, anything that sticks out to you, why you why you stood the Midwatch? I know I have a couple. <laughs> oh man, well, l- let me hear one of yours, and uh, I'll try to. Regurgitate right. so these hours of standing watch. <laughs> <laughs> see if so I have a I have like two quick ones. So as you know, like every even the shipyard here, every like military insta- in uh, installation seems to have a problem with like feral cats. <laughs> there's yeah. like there's always cats everywhere. That's a true story. Um, so Grant was no different. We had like tons of stray cats, you know, near all the piers, and um, obviously Grant got very very cold uh, during the winter months. And uh, when we would stand watch, you know, like the little tin, tin shacks that they gave us, um, and they give us like a little like Walmart heater <laughs> that like just the the amount of cold that was outside just overpowered the heater, like it didn't work at all. Um, so we used, uh, I had uh, the heater, and then I borrowed one because a lot of the piers weren't always manned, so we would go over to some of the other shacks that didn't have any boats on there and we'd like take the heaters so we'd have like two or three heaters in like each shack i used to have to put it used to be so cold sometimes that um they would let us stand watch in the pumpkin suits the like the orange like mustang suits yeah and then i would have to put a heater just on my boots because the steel and the steel toe would just get so cold from like the you know the because it it was it was terrible but anyway uh the cats used to come and hang out in the shacks with us. Like, the the shack literally wasn't any bigger than this table. Like, it was probably, like, a six-by-six, six, like, box. And oh. they, they used to come in there and, like, hang out with us. Or, well, with me. How many were there? Uh-huh. I had, like, two in there one time. That's kind of cool. It was the coolest thing ever. And they would just come and, like, hang out and they'll warm with me. I, they would, if I wanted to go, like, pet them, they'd, like, you know, they, like, wouldn't let me. They would just go curl underneath, like, the little, like, makeshift desk we had where, like, the logs were. Yeah. And they would just, like, like just chill in the corner. It was the coolest thing. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and then um, a second, uh, I guess, second quick story on the Midwatch is uh, we had the, um, we had, like, the chief of the guard radios that were in contact with, like, the MAs and stuff. But right. then we also had, like, little walkie-talkies because the way the, the watch was we had, like, the pier sentry and then we had the payouts of the deck. That was, like, the two watches. And we had little walkie-talkies to, like, talk to each other. You know, be like, hey, the CEO's coming, or hey, you know, whatever. Um, but obviously, in the mid watch, there wasn't really much to talk about. 
So we would just play like little games, do the microphones, whatever, or, or not the, for the walkie talkies rather. And then sometimes we could switch different channels and then we would just like mess with other boats because every other boat pretty much had the same thing. <laughs> yeah, same channel. So, yeah, so we'd just like, we would just like uh, channel surf and then just like say like random stuff and just like see if we got like a response. Like it was <laughs> <laughs> just bored on watch. Just, yeah, Something super bored on watch. And like I said, we're we're there by ourselves. Each one only had one person there. Each watch, like watch station. So you just get. S- oh really? Yeah. There's one guy in the pier and one guy in the pier. So the, uh, the one guy in each shack, and that was it. And you're probably fit, probably like. Well, I mean, you know how long a pier is. Yeah. I mean, you're like a pier's length away from each other, so it's not even like you can talk. So and there's no rover, nothing like that. So it it got boring. So you just kind of had to. Like, I couldn't tell you. Like, oh, I'm not going to actually. <laughs> that might incriminate you <laughs> yeah. a little bit. But yeah, it got boring. We, um, so we, we stand gate watches. Um, and on a gate watch, like you said, they're boring. Man, uh, I challenge you guys to stand somewhere for five hours. And do nothing? And see what it does to you. <laughs> You're either going to get really organized <laughs> and think of all the things that you want to do when you get off of the watch. Or you can be, you know, loopy and just kind of sit there and twiddle your thumbs for five hours. Yeah, because you can't, like, again, to put it in context, like, you can't, you can't have your phone. You can't do anything because you're, you're the security guard for the ship, essentially, yeah. to, to put it into layman's terms. So you're not allowed to do any of that stuff. You literally just have to stand there, just like you said. I once watched a seagull <laughs> uh, eat a Cheeto, and uh, that Cheeto had OC spray on it. <laughs> And <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine for this seagull, it was a uh, a spicy Cheeto or a fiery <laughs> Cheeto at that point. The the Cheeto or the seagull uh, swooped in, and the person I was standing watch with gave his uh, Cheeto a couple sprays of his mace or his OC spray. That's what we we call it OC spray, and. Uh, Oh man, that poor seagull. He was, you know, you can see him kind of trying to throw it back up or regurgitate this Cheeto. <laughs> and I felt so bad for him. He flew away. Nah, I'm sure he's all right. I'm sure he survived. Wait till PETA hears about this. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, it grazed the top of the o- OC can. I'm just so <laughs> happened to get spray on it. <laughs> wasn't me, though. It wasn't me, I promise. I love animals. I would never do that. <laughs> And cool story on watch, you know, watch is just boring, but, uh, fun thing to do was, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something fun. <laughs> watch is so boring. It is. There's nothing, so nothing boring. fun about watch. You just got to be creative. Yeah. A couple of times, um, we did have a cell phone, you know, you just try not to, obviously don't be an idiot. Don't talk on your phone. Right. But, uh, if you so happen to order a pizza, it came to the gate <laughs> late at night, and you would keep it in your guard shack and snack on some pizza, <laughs> and you just feel so uh, devious and feel like you just got away with murder <laughs> when you eat a pizza on watch. <laughs> it's like the stupidest thing, but you feel so great afterwards. <laughs> uh, that happened a couple times. A couple buddies saved my life, came through with Gatorades, mm-hmm. the hot days. They, they dropped them off, and it was like a Saturday. And, you know, they're like, all right, going to the beach, have fun. And you're like, thanks, Dick. <laughs> thanks for the Gatorade, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you guys tomorrow. <laughs> oh, man. 
man. Uh, stupid stories on watch. So uh, these are fun to hear about. Uh, we had a guy um, went to use his porta the porta potty, and uh, you know things happen. You got to use bathroom. No big deal. But uh, he thought it it was so cool, and he took a selfie of himself and the Navy vest. You know, the full uh, loadout. He had his gun and everything, pulled the gun out of the holster. Oh, my God. Gave it like a little gangster cock to the <laughs> side and uh, took a nice little selfie and put it on his Facebook. And, uh, oh, man. Oh, man. They fried him. <laughs> he went straight to mass for that one. That's like uh, going straight to mass means like captain's mass, which is uh, it's uh, it's like going to court, I guess, is essentially what it is. It's like It's like how you get in trouble in the military. Yeah, going to mass. If you if you go to mass, it's it's like going to court, I guess. It's like, yeah, that's right? the best that's way to explain the best, it. Right? Yeah, because yeah. it's a similar setting. It, you got it, your CO across same. the table, which is like the judge, and then you're sitting on the other and side. You just hope you don't leave with a fine. Yeah, Pretty exactly. Much. Yep. Yeah, you get fined. You lose rank based on what you did. Yeah. The brig. <laughs> the brig could be the worst one. <laughs> you lose money. Yep. Lose rank. Uh, you can go to jail. Yeah. Well, restriction. Yeah, or restriction, which is like timeout, or which is like detention for people in the military. Like, nah, it's for probably 24 that's, hours. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like house arrest. There you go. House that's better. It's like house arrest. Yeah, there you go. Well said. <laughs> house arrest. You stay at work. Uh, imagine we lock you in your cubicle for 45 days, yep. and we make you clean the office for 45 days. That's restriction for you. Yep. It's terrible. Never been on it, thank God. Uh, wish I could say the same. <laughs> <laughs> those, those are the younger days. <laughs> Things happen. I I won't do another forty five. I won't do it. I'm going back. I ain't going back. I, found, I changed my ways when I was in there. Like I said, forty five days is a long time. Oh, that's funny. And but, you know they take away your um, your sodas and things like that too. You're not supposed mm-hmm. to drink out of the vending machine. Well. Get snacks out of the vending machine, so you're really locked up. You're restricted. You're restricted to everything besides some Windex. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some bleach. Some bleach some and a mop. Uh, I wish I could think of one of them fancy. It's, uh, pre- it's pretty funny if, like, you think about it, like uh, how, like, still uh, medieval. I guess that's probably not the best word, but it's the word I'm gonna use. Like, how medieval, like, the military still is, like, with things like that. Like, you could never do that. In like corporate America, <laughs> right? But you know what I mean. Like, but it's just the and norm. Still, we're trying to be corporate America. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, true. That's a good point. Bread and water. Yeah. You know, that's an option. Like there, there's still a uh, a rule in the UCMJ. Like, you're, we're not allowed to like duel. Duel? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's still something you can be charged with in the military. So when you're in the military, for those who don't know, either we don't really follow like civilian. I mean, we do. Like, you can still get in trouble in the civilian world, but. As far as like your military life is, we have something called the uh, Uniform the, Code of Military Justice. Yeah, the the UCNJ, and it's a it's a set of laws essentially on, on what you can be charged with at like Captain's Master stuff like that. Mm. So like one of the laws, like I was saying, is is still like you can't duel. You know, there's still like death is still a punishment in like a lot of them. Yeah, <laughs> if you are a deserter during the time of war. War, yep, yep. Yeah. Still grew up uh, firing firing line. Is actually a violation of UCMJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, to each his own. But and then the military is smart. So we have an article uh, ninety two, ninety five. 
What's the catch-all? 134. 134, which is pretty much we can charge you with anything that we haven't listed on this list. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we, they call it the catch-all. So catch pretty much no matter what, you, you're going to get charged with something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt. I think uh, 92 is failure to obey. That's yeah. a failure. Yeah, that's failure to obey in order. That's what it is. And then the 134 is the, the old catch-all. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, that's funny. It works. It works, though. It does. It still gets. And it's it's just the norm, like, for for if, if you're in it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't seem abnormal. Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of, like, some things, like, do you have any, any stories of, like, when you, you know, would go home and talk to your, I mean, home for you is pretty much where you're stationed at, but when you talk to, like, your civilian buddies and, like, tell them stories, like, any time when they're, like, like, what? Like, that's crazy. Like, you know what I mean? Not, not necessarily, like, deployment stories, but, like, just, like, everyday life, like, military stuff. Um, for the Navy, it's really hard for people to understand, uh, duty days. Yeah. You know, I can write it in the simplest form and they still wouldn't understand it. And then also they don't understand um, why we go out to to sea throughout the year, but we're not deployed. Yeah, or underway. And, you know, I previous girlfriends, I tell them, hey, I got to go underway this week. You know, I'm not going to be back. And uh, she's like, "You're well, I don't want you to deploy. <laughs> I don't know, babe, I'm not deploying. I'm just going out to sea. You know, I'm, I'm going to go out for a couple of days. She's like, well, where are you going? I was like, well, I can't tell you that. <laughs> We're just going out for a couple of days. And so and that's really hard because it's very unpredictable as well. Right. It could you always know, change while you're out there. Yeah. You know, a week could turn to a tasking month. can change. Uh, we can get blessed with doing qualifications for helos and things like that. And so it, they just can't grasp their head around it. Really? Right. Uh, yeah, that's the big one. Well, um, that, that's a good point because <clears throat> I've had that similar conversation to a lot of people, and like people don't understand, like they think you're uh, since you're in the military, like you're always ready to just go. Like they don't realize that, like essentially, the the crew of a ship has to prove to the navy, like hey, like we're ready to go deploy. Like there's you know tons of different quals and everything that you have to do, which is called like workups, um, to prove to the navy that like hey, like this ship's ready to go deploy. Like it's not just you know, like, hey, all right, you guys are going on deployment. Like, it kind of doesn't work like that. It's it's just a, a, it's a process. It's a process. And then once you deploy and come home, you guys start all over again. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? So, it's a cycle. Like, I um, kind of similar to, like, with the ship we're on now, like, explaining to family members, like, hey, like, you know, I'm like, I possibly, like, might not make a deployment on this ship. And they're like, what? Like, you're on it for, like, three years. And I'm like, whoa, like, it's a... It's a baby. Like this, you know, you can't take out yeah. the seat till it's at least a teenager. <laughs> you know I mean? like we, yeah. there, there's a lot of That's stuff hilarious. that that the, you know, a lot of qualifications and stuff like that that this shit, you know, yeah. has to do before we're even able to go. It's not perfect. It's not. And it's even uh, going back to when I went and um, w- how I mentioned how I went to that high school, my recruiter, I remember um, before, because, you know, normally it's like lunchtime. We like set up outside the cafeteria. It's like where the recruiters yep. would set up. I remember we were like waiting for for lunchtime. We got there a little early, and we were talking to like one of like the guidance counselors or something in the uh, like admin office. And like the lady just didn't understand. She's like, like we're like you know the military is pretty much like a nine to five essentially. You know unless you're out to sea or on duty, like yeah. you go home every night and you know you're you're. And she just like couldn't like 
grasp like her head around that. She's like, oh, like I thought you guys were just gone the whole time. Like, <laughs> you really thought that? Yeah. You think people would sign up for that? And I mean, I at the time, I really, I honestly didn't know either. Like, I was just in debt. But like, I remember listening to my recruiter talk to her, and she was like, yeah, like she pretty much said she was like, no, nah, it's just a nine to five. She's like, unless we're out to sea, you know, we we go home every month or um every night and you know show up to work in the morning. So. It's it's funny how many misconceptions there is out there. Um, like, even boot camp's another one. Like, everyone... I've had to, like, explain that a lot, too. Like, I was like, you really don't learn anything in boot camp as far as, like, being a... Like, I mean, you learn some stuff about being a sailor, but boot camp's more so there just to mold you into what the kind of person yeah. a sailor has to be. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, into a sailor. The biggest thing you learn in boot camp is how to fold and... How to follow directions. <laughs> That's the big one. How to follow instructions. Yeah. Who's in charge, who's not. Exactly. And then just kind of, uh, you, you kind of get into like log writing and things like that. But uh, like with like the little makeshift watches that you have in there. But it's, uh, everyone just thinks it's, and I guess movies is probably the uh, the reason that is, right? I mean, movies portray boot camp and stuff like that to be a, a different thing than like what it really ready is. ready for war. Yeah. Right away. Yeah. That's what kind of, the, the A school, which we kind of t- touched on earlier, is, is kind of what teaches you to be your job, yep. not necessarily boot camp. So there, there is tons of misconceptions out there, which is it's interesting to to see. There is. There's a lot of them. And right along with that one, uh, I get this question a lot. Um, when, why can't I just get out? Yeah. I'm like, you mean tomorrow? Yeah. What do you mean you still have? three years left well i have a, a contract i signed a contract to work in the military for you know four years what if you don't want to do that <laughs> well i told him i do want to do that so <laughs> that's what i have to do now right and that's something uh that let's see i think some people may not fully understand and uh may not take for granted that they can do I mean, it comes with perks, too, though. You know, I, oh, I yeah. get paid for four years versus in the civilian world. Yeah, you can walk away and leave, uh, but you won't get paid. You know, right. So they don't understand that, but I'll explain it to them. <laughs> yeah. I got uh, 11 more years. 11 more years. Yep. That's the best thing. There's only 20. Find me another job where you can retire with a full pension, full medical in 20 years. Right. Is there? Is there's there not. I know, it's like... um. The way that the union did it, uh, it's called your magic number. It's it's eighty five, so you have to eighty five. Yeah, that that's the magic number for retirement in the union. Years so you old? need to be at least fifty five, with thirty years in, oh, or, okay. or any any uh, combination of that. So you have to be at least fifty five, with at least thirty years in. Wow. And then there's different. There's like different things, but you have to meet that number. Wow. Yep. And that's still 30-something years. Exactly. If you start when you're years. 20, that's 20 to 55. I mean, that's 25 so years. So the minimum is 30 years. Or at least 30, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you have to you have to work for at least 30 years to get your full pension. Wow. Yep. And so, uh, you know, I've been hearing things, and uh, they say that the 20-year retirement is so good that they're getting rid of it. Ba-dum-ba-dum. That's what I tell people. <laughs> they go into this blended retirement. I would system. say that's essentially what the, the blended retirement is. Yeah. Right. It's. 
it's built for more from my understanding is it's built more for people who want to get out right because you can um you honestly can. i don't even know honestly <laughs> i just know you can it's something with like it your, is uh with your tsp right like you can do something different they with say, it yeah they say that 19 percent of sailors that join the military do 20 years and that means that everybody else comes into the military and they leave without anything in their retirement. Right. Anything that's guaranteed in their retirement. So the the idea behind the BRS is that they're going to um, start you out. They're going to match uh, up to 5%. And I think I think you're automatically putting in 1% yeah, yeah. when you join. Yep. And then you so can opt in to put more. Everybody's going to get out with something. Right. And, um, you know, I've seen guys get out at 15 years. And I couldn't understand it. I was like, dude, you got you're, five more you're years. right there. What yeah. are you doing? You get paid for the rest of your life. And they're like, I don't want it. So imagine if they were uh, doing the BRS that entire time. Right. They could roll that over into their new company. Right. Um, it's not bad. You know, I nah. joke about it. But uh, I don't think it's as good as the 20-year retirement, nah. personally. it's It seems when something's too complicated, you know there's something – at least that's how I feel. I'm very skeptical about things. You are. <laughs> but that, I'm, I'm kind of jealous of that, you know. I'm a little more naive, and I just kind of like, go with the flow. Like the, right? So for, for those of you who don't know, the way the military retirement works is there's kind of two parts to it. You have, like, your, your pension, and then you have your TSP. Your TSP is similar to, like, a 401K where you can put into it every month, right? Um, and then you can't touch that until you're 65. And the way that the traditional one is – is the only money that goes in there is the money that you opt to put in every month. And then it's based on the markets and all that is how much money you gain, right? Just like a, just like a traditional 401k. Yep. And then you have the pension side of it where um, your pension, they take the highest three years that you were paid in the military. So normally that's your last three years because you're most likely the highest rank. Yep. Um, and then you get 50% of whatever that is. So just throw a random number out there. If you're getting $8,000 a month, on your last three years of the military, your pension is $4,000 a month once you get out. And then you obviously keep medical and all that. Um, but with the way the BRS is, is um, if you stay in for 20, you only get 40%, right? Of the 40%. The, the pension part right, is right. only 40%, not 50%. And what they give to counter that or to make it more appealing is the military will match your whatever you put in your TSP up to 5%. So if you put 5% of your monthly pay into the TSP, the military will match that. So if you don't want to stay in for more than 20 years or 20 years, at least you have a little nest egg when you get out, however many years that is. So did I explain that right? That was perfect. Thank you. That was beautiful. <laughs> I might so. opt in. <laughs> Just kidding, it's too late. Oh, it's too late now. For those of you that are listening. Yeah, so just uh, I'm not sure what the cutoff day was, but people um, who are in, like, mine and Troutman situation, since we've been in for a little bit, you know, they gave us the option just to stay with the old or to switch to the BRS, and that cutoff was 1 January. Yep. Um, but everyone after 1 January, it's pretty much if you join the military now, you uh, there's no more traditional. It's just the, you get the BRS or that's it. Right. Well, I mean – you get the BRS. There's no, you can't opt out of it, but that's what it is. Yep. What do they call it? The, the traditional way. Yeah, traditional. It's gone. Or, yeah. So. It's gone. 
for the OGs. So we could we be... Check, we're like the OGs now. We could be the last... They uh, can't get what we have. ...to get paid for the rest of their life. Yeah. You know, we're, it's a small group. Small group. Small group. Dying breed. Dying, last <laughs> of a dying breed, baby. You heard it here first. <laughs> Remember. That's cool. That's, yeah. That's, I didn't think of it that way. Yep. So... I'm going to get a t-shirt made. <laughs> but... Yep, I stuck with the old way. So now I have to do 20 years or I get nothing. <laughs> so did you know you were going to do 20 years? Um, That's a good question. Did I know? Or I when did you know? Probably when I had my second kid is when I was like, this is probably it. <laughs> this is it. Because I can't really, you know, starting. Stability's yeah, sta- huge. The stability's point, nice. You know what I mean? Wife but, and we got three dependents. Yeah, three dependents. Exactly. Um, on the outside, that's a lot of money for insurance. Oh yeah, <sighs> I yep. mean that alone. You know, thankfully with the military, we haven't paid. I think like a birth is like thirteen thousand dollars. The entire thing, you know, I didn't have to pay any of that for either for, for either of them. Pregnancy, so right? that's twenty six thousand dollars I saved right there. That's huge. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I would say I would say that when I had my second kid. When I uh, changed rates unwillingly, um, I definitely had a point where I was like, it's not what I want to do. I want to get out um, for a little bit. But now I have a greater plan, you know, finish my degree, hopefully go officer. So I'm, I know I'm not going to be at this rate forever. So that kind of keeps me trucking a little bit. Okay. But I would, I would definitely say when I had my second kid uh, is when I was like, all right, this is probably, this is it. But since I came in a little bit older too, um, I think it's it was always there because I was like, I'm gonna be too old when I get out to start over. You know what I mean? So, right. So pretty much from the start, but it was solidified when I had my second kid. To answer your question. Okay, that's good, man. That's what I thought. It's interesting though. You know, there are those curveballs that uh, can get people to want to get out of the yeah. navy. And then, and and I always like to think it's no matter what you do, it's always greener on the other side, you yeah. know. Like when I was in the union, you know, I I liked it some days, I hated it other days, and then I was like, I can't wait to stop this and go join the military and go do cool stuff. Now I'm in the military and I'm like, fuck, some days suck. Like I want to go do something else. <laughs> can't wait to get out. Exactly. Cool stuff. So it's like no matter what you do, you know, it it, it comes with the good and the bad. You just kind of, you know. So. Yeah, I can see that. That's a good outlook on it. Grass is always greener. I mean, definitely, like, doing what, I, what I'm what i doing right now sucks, you know, being, like, geo-batching. Um, but, A, someone's got to do it. B, I'm not in the middle of the desert getting shot at. I still FaceTime them every night. You know what I mean? It's all about perspective. Oh, very true. Six more months. It's exactly. And we'll be so, back, so. I already did a year. I only got six more months. I've already done it. I've done six months twice already. That's the way I look at it. So I can do it one more time. Third time. Third time's charm. Third time's a charm. Um, It's like a little deployment. Exactly. Well, it's a really long deployment. (laughs) Shit, mate. (laughs) Well, six months is, I guess, from here on is like a deployment. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody please tell uh, Minton that he's in the surface Navy now. Sorry. Where deployments are a lot longer. Sorry. How was uh, was it? Like nine months? Uh, Eight, nine months? Not to shortchange it. It was a... Nine and a half oh, I'm sorry. months, All right. and uh, it was in 2014. Uh, one of the ships went on deployment before me, 
and they did a ten and a half month deployment. And I remember being in Mayport, and I was reading Navy Times, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that sucks to be them." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> sure enough, you know, flash forward a year, I was floating out there uh, in the Arabian Gulf, and I was like, "Gosh, it sucks to be me." <laughs> Still out here. Did you um? Did you see that article about the? Uh, I think it was the Truman. One of the ca- I think it was the Truman. One of the carriers in Norfolk. Yep. How they did like that new deployment yes. thing where like they went so out for a little was, bit. Uh, they, they Jim came, Mattis's plan. Yeah, they came back and they went out again, but it was like the longest deployment any ship's done or some some shit like that. Yeah, I'm not sure um, if it was the longest deployment. I just know that they had left for, I think, four months. Yeah. And then they came back for like a to month their home so. port for a month, and then they went back on deployment to finish out the rest of it. And... uh that is pretty crazy. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming he got that because I know, I believe the Army Marines do something similar to that. When they're actually, like, over there, they can, like, come home for, like, a week. It's like a mid-deployment. Yeah, R&R. Like, yeah. I think, I think they call it R&R. Like R&R, yeah. So maybe that's kind of where he got it from, maybe. Well, I did read the article. They said that uh, with the Navy is too predictable. True. And so um, they wanted to... Uh, change the rotation and switch things up, which is pretty smart. Yeah. I'm all for that. And uh, complacency kills. Ready to rock and roll. Uh, I'll go with it. You know, it's going to take a, a lot of work because it's like putting candy in front of a baby, you know. Like, there's, I'm going to ask you your, you know, your beliefs, family side. And then, of course, you have your military beliefs as well. But, like, would you have rather stay out on deployment for six months? Or come back, see your family, to leave your family again for another four months. I would 100% I'd rather stay out. Yeah. Just like, just kind of how we just had stand down. Like I said, like we, you know, I kind of briefly mentioned that to you. Like going home for like three weeks for stand down, just like. It's harder. I feel like I'm starting all over again. It's easier to just stay away. Yeah. Out of sight, out of mind is how I like to say it. Yep. Especially Uh. on it's. It's definitely easier to be out of sight, out of mind in deployment, too, because contact's a lot. You know, here, I, like I said, I FaceTime and all that all the time. But yeah. when you're out in the middle of the water, contact's not always there, so it's kind of easier to... So yeah. definitely out like to just stay out instead of coming back. And that's just, you know, the family side of it. Right. The, the selfish side I have, and I'm sure a lot of people have. Uh, and then, of course, that, you know, the defense of the nation. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, let's do it. I'm I'm all about it, but it's going to be interesting, you know. With that comes uh, these workups and things like that, and so it it's going to take a lot out of the sailors. It's going to take a lot um, out of the leadership to make sure that we're doing that efficiently. I wonder <coughs> I wonder how that's going to affect the right because our whole objective is we always like to have a presence out there, right? There's pretty much always a ship, yeah, in the Gulf in the mid, like out, you know. So. I wonder how that's going to affect that, like, because if we're, I mean, obviously it's not a one-day trip back, so, like, is there going to be times where we're not, where we don't have presence in that place for that, you know what I'm saying? The or, world will never know. That's true, I guess. <laughs> the world will never know. Or there's just going to be more deployments for more ships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if one, I think there's there's two in the area. I could be wrong, but. Well, they said that was the Truman was like the first carrier in the, not the Gulf, because that wouldn't make sense. 
It was the first carrier in some sea for like the first time in like years. Maybe the not the Black Sea. That wouldn't make sense either. I remember reading that article that it was the first time we had a carrier somewhere for like a while. Might have been the mid. Maybe. Yeah, because no, normally we just drive through it, right? Yeah. Yeah, it might have been the mid. Huh. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, do you feel that... Sorry to cut you off. Do you feel like Navy Times reports too much? Absolutely. Me too. <laughs> absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> it's disgusting. Yeah. You it's know? crazy. Some of the stuff that they that they and write. They, uh, they love to make the Navy look bad, I feel like. Well, not even... I mean, that, yes. But I'm just saying, like, some of the... Information. Oh, yeah. I remember reading an article about uh, a carrier coming home and it had the amount of personnel and things on it. Yeah. Like sometimes, like, I, they even did like a, like a mid deployment article about like some ship and like what it's done and like where it is. Like, like we would, we would go to mass for that. Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, Navy Times, you know, please stop. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. I don't, I don't need to read all that. <laughs> No one needs to read all that. Our adversaries don't need to read all that either. Yeah. Speaking of that, what do you think about China? Getting ballsy. Oh, man. Uh, Sinking carriers and shit. China, they said, that's funny because we actually had to talk about that uh, months ago about uh, the intentions of some of these countries oh, yeah, around yeah. the world. When we were in New Orleans, right? Yeah. 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 At our and, cir- uh, uh, circus bar. Or not circus bar. Uh, carousel. Carousel bar. Good spot. Good spot. <laughs> Yeah, we had to talk about that. That was crazy. And then it was in the news. So yeah. I was like, we're, we're kind of ahead of this. And, uh, you know, obviously, I hope it doesn't happen. I hope that's not the goal of the the Chinese and are looking to do that. But um, I think their predictions are wrong. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, we got the world's uh, strongest Navy. So I think we got to kill. If at the height of whatever this situation will come to, if anything – Right, because it's just all words right now. But I would say, at best, it's gonna get to like a Cold War environment. I don't think anything's really gonna. Because like I said to you at when we were at that bar, like I think, and I'm no expert by any means, but I just think our, with the way that the global economy is, it just wouldn't be able to sustain another war like that. Because our the economies are just too too intertwined. Yeah, and you see how well they're doing with the, uh, the. Uh, trade war right now. Exactly. So their economy is taking a hit. Yep. Uh, they can't afford mm-hmm. to um, have that economic hit. Yeah. On them. Um, and like even like quality, right? Because they had like there's some crazy number where they're producing ships at some crazy rate. Like you can't build quality ships. Quality ships that fast, especially with the kind of technology that goes on them these days. You know what I mean? Like back in World War Two, maybe yeah, it's just some wooden ships with freaking yeah non-smart weapons on them but with the stuff that we have now like there's no way you're building and you got to think how many how many do they have now yeah uh catch up yeah so and another another cool thing right because obviously russia's up there too with talks of the town of adversaries um i was listening to uh general give me one minute it's a he was actually on Ben Shapiro's show. General uh, McChrystal, I think. Does that ring a bell? He's a four-star general. Oh, my God. Hopefully, it's not going into the mic, whatever that is. Um, anywho, he was like, he like led the Afghanistan war for a while. He was a four-star general. Cool fact, too. There's only 14 four-star generals in the Army at any time. 
Oh, wow. Didn't know that. Um, but he was saying how uh, he's done, like, a lot of stuff with, like, foreign uh, foreign policy and all that. He said that Russia is nowhere near their uh, firepower that they had during the Soviet Union. Oh. Which is pretty interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yep. I thought they'd be, like, way past that. But he said that they have nowhere near the firepower that they had during the, the uh, Soviet Union. Yeah, and their ships are very old, too. Yeah. They don't have uh, very new ships. And I, I'm not too up to date on it, but uh, I remember reading a couple articles of uh, Russian planes smashing into the flight decks, uh, falling into the ocean, uh, not being able to launch, mm-hmm. and uh, just very old ships. Um, yeah, apparently they have like there's only they only have one carrier and it's like a punishment to to be on it. If you're like a bad sailor, like you get sent to their carrier because it's like such a shitty ship. Oh wow! I know like their submarine, their Typhoon class, which is like their uh, they built that during. Um, there's actually like a cool story behind the Typhoon class. It's they took two of their ballistic missile sub holes and like put them together. They had, like, swimming pools on it and everything. They are humongous subs, but they had such a huge, um, uh, what do you call it, like, when it's on a radar? A huge, uh... Cross-section? Not cross-section, um, whatever it is. Signature? Signature, there you go. <clears throat> that what they were designed to do was they, um, they're supposed to sit up in the ice caps, and they would actually, like, surface next to, like, ice so that you couldn't really... It like they just look like they were part of the iceberg, right? Plane, and they would just sit there and wait for the call to launch missiles at us. But like that, their typhoon fleet is like rotting away in the ocean. Like they they can't uh, they can't afford to run it or any like to maintain them or anything. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That was the first time I saw that in uh, Hunter Killer. Yeah. Exactly. Like that. Yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. that. What that sub was doing. That's like what their typhoon classes were designed to do. Good but, movie, by the way. But they, they that was actually a really good movie. But they were, like, luxury subs. Like, like I said, they had, like, swimming pools on them. They had, like, smoking rooms. Because it, it was a huge it was a huge ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, that would be nice. Yeah. I'd love to have a smoking room. <laughs> See if we can put that into the budget. Slide that in there. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. Uh, I think the first 10 years, I'm, I'm a roundup. First 10 years was... Easy. We'll see how next 10 years will be, uh, you know, in the midst of facing threats and uh, just dealing with, you know, these different countries. I need skirt. <laughs> I remember when I joined, it was like North Korea. <clears throat> we were going to go to war in North Korea. This is, I just feel like it's a cycle. It always, yeah, it just, it's just ever, who's ever talking the loudest is, is what, it is, you know what I mean? And you know, if the the news is making a big deal out of it, it's probably not that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. But We've been going for an hour and a half. That's pretty good. An hour and 39 minutes, to be exact. I hope people enjoyed our, our banter. I do, too. Back and forth. I hope this recording works, too. And <laughs> I hope the recording works, because like I said, I've been, I've been trying to get on uh, the mid-watch for about six months now. Had to, had to show my worth, you know. Had to carry his his gear around for a while. Look <laughs> it up the stairs. He was my roadie. Now he <laughs> now he made the band. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> part of the band. 
Nah, but I definitely, uh, like I said, this was the, I, I'm going to pretty much reiterate what I said in the beginning, but this is what I kind of wanted it, it to be. Um, so, and I suck at carrying conversations. So having a, a co-host, if you will, is definitely a good idea, especially like day, weeks where I can't get guests and stuff. Like it's still, we can still just BS and not miss a week. Yeah. Kind of easier to be consistent. You know what I, I mean? I like it. I like it. So you're hired. You're not getting paid though. You're an intern. No. <laughs> join the join the group. Join the club that's not getting paid. Huh? <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Since due to the government shutdown, the uh, podcast isn't financed right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm working for free. It's terrible. Let's work that budget out. All uh, right, but um, I'm excited though, man. It's gonna be fun. You yeah. Know, I might uh might pull up the laptop next time. Yeah. So we'll we'll come up with like different, not skits, but like uh. D- I'm really Scripts. good at talking too, if, if you've noticed. <laughs> Not uh, just like different like things we could do, like current events, stuff like that. We'll figure stuff out. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right, cool, man. So thank you. This was a success. Uh, hopefully people are still listening. It's a long podcast. Cool. Like <laughs> I said, uh, honored to be here. Thanks for the invite, and uh, look forward to the next one. Yep. Thank you guys for listening again. Episode 13. So you know this will be a successful podcast. So you can stay tuned for next week for episode 14. <laughs> and uh, Hell yeah. we will see you then. Any sponsors want to sponsor the podcast, please reach out to me. Thank you very much. Oh,